Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for another weekly episodic adventure in the Ocho and Ortiz Disney podcast. What are we talking about this week? Stay tuned and find out. Let's get this thing going. Josh, how the hell are you this week? Uh, I mean, like we said before, I'm alive. You are alive. This is actually our this is actually our second attempt at doing episode eight. We actually had recorded one, which was a fan requested review. Somebody had messaged me on Facebook and requested that we review something, which we did. But for whatever reason. The second half of the audio, like, or the second half of the podcast, both visual and audio, completely cut out. So we record it for like maybe 45 minutes, and I only got the first 26 minutes of the podcast. So we're not using that one, and we're, we're redoing this, and we are actually recording this on May the 17th, 2020. And yesterday, May the 16th, marked the anniversary of the untimely and unfortunate passing of Jim Henson. And I was a big Jim Henson fan growing up. I watched a lot of different Henson-produced movies and, and television shows, from Muppet Show and Sesame Street to Fraggle Rock and Dinosaurs, Labyrinth, all the different Muppet movies there are there have been. And really... That's what we're going to be talking about today, is the Muppet movie. And more specifically, the Muppet, uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. But before we get into it, guys, let me just say you can help our show grow by visiting us on all of our social medias. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Ocho Ortiz Disney on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Ocho and Ortiz Disney Pod. Instagram, just look for at Ocho and Ortiz Disney Pod. We're also on YouTube as well, so search for Ocho and Ortiz Disney Podcast. We've been putting up both audio and visual podcasts, so hopefully you guys check those out and, and enjoy them. And follow us on our other social media to keep up to date with new episodes and everything else that's going on with us. I did mention on last week's episode and I had to edit everything out that mentioned this although I'm not sure if I got everything edited out I was hoping to have t-shirts ready and available last week with the release of our Little Mermaid podcast unfortunately due to copyright issues I'm still having issues getting that shop started so I am still working on merchandise once I do find a spot for us to sell our merchandise I will let you guys know all the links and stuff will be in the in the description down below. But having said that, we're not going to waste any more time. We're just going to get right into the Muppet Christmas Carol. And Josh, you said off air that this was for you, like me watching The Descendants. So we'll get your overall thoughts in the mo- on the movie at the end. But... 
what were your initial thoughts going in? What were you expecting from this movie going in? I don't know. Okay, okay. You say you're a huge Jim Henson fan. The only thing I can really think I've ever watched is Labyrinth, right? There's Dark Crystal too, but I mean... Never seen it. I, I tried watching Dark Crystal when I was younger and couldn't get into it. Granted, it was made for a, a more adult audience, so maybe maybe I'll re-watch, try rewatching it at some point. I know Netflix launched a new a new Dark Crystal series exclusive to Netflix last year, mm. which I've seen the first twenty minutes of the first episode because I was watching it at a buddy's house last year, and it seems like a good show. So I'm gonna have to go back and watch the movie, and maybe I'll have a greater appreciation. And maybe I'll have a greater appreciation for it as an adult. But I am wearing my custom-made Jim Henson Made My Childhood Awesome t-shirt. So, yeah, big, big Jim Henson fan. But, yeah. yeah. Aside from, like, Labyrinth and the Muppets attraction at Disney World, because it's not really a ride. It's more of a a, a show. Mm -hmm. I don't really... I'm not the biggest fan of the Muppets. I don't know why. It's just... It is something that I did not grow up watching at all. Like, nothing at all. Labyrinth, I watched... What was the other one? Fraggle Rock, I might have watched as a kid. I don't exactly remember. Fraggle Rock, Sesame Street, Dinosaurs... Yeah, fuck Sesame Street. What's that? I said fuck Sesame Street. Dinosaurs. That's Dinosaurs, I'm pretty sure I watched. Just a... Uh, was it something with the baby? Hit the baby or don't hit the baby or something? Well, the baby would always hit his father. Don't hit the, Don't hit the mama. No, That's not the mama. It's not just the mama. not Whatever. the mama. No, I see now I'm mixing up that and South Park. Don't kick the kick the baby. Don't kick the baby. <laughs> Brandon would love dinosaurs. Brandon knows dinosaurs. He loves dinosaurs. Yeah. I remember watching dinosaurs, but like, yeah. So again, um, I don't really like. It's not that I don't like the Muppets. I just I don't know. I didn't watch them as a kid, right? So then there's that, and then there was oh great, it's a Christmas movie. Well, I fucking hate here's, Christmas. here's why I specifically chose the Christmas movie. Like I said, this I, I actually wasn't I, I was planning on doing this one, obviously not until closer to Christmas. But like I said, as of th- this recording, this past weekend, the, like yesterday, happened to be the 30th anniversary of Jim Henson's passing. And Jim Henson had done some mo- or well, Jim Henson Productions had done some movies with Walt Disney and some movies with other companies before Disney eventually bought pretty much the entire Muppets and Jim Henson catalog back in, I believe, 2003, maybe 2004. But Jim Henson had been negotiating since the 80s to bring the Muppets and other Jim Henson creations over to Disney. Now... In the late 80s, just before Jim Henson passed away in 1990, he finally negotiated a contract to do a couple of movies and I believe a T and some TV shows with Disney. One of the TV shows he agreed to do with Disney was Dinosaurs. And then the two movies that he had agreed to do with Disney was Muppets Christmas Carol and Muppets Treasure Island. So Muppets Christmas Carol became the first Muppet movie produced by Walt Disney Studios. And like I said a couple weeks ago when we were reviewing Secretariat, I don't want to really do, I don't really want to cover non-Disney created films just yet. 
like like I had said, my buddy Bill at the time had asked me to review Rookie of the Year, but it turns out that that was a Fox movie, which Disney has bought as part of the acquisition. And so with this actually being a Disney produced film, I figure, and with this being the 30th anniversary of Jim's death, I figured this would be a good review to sort of honor him and... Again, first first Disney film that was produced by Walt Disney, first first Muppet film that was produced by Walt uh, Walt Disney Studios, and they had signed a contract to do a couple of other things. And because of something that happened in this movie, as far as I know, that's why it actually ended up taking the deal so long to get signed to bring all of the Muppet intellectual property over to Disney. Because it was supposed to be done by the early 90s. Like I said, these first few TV shows and movies that were negotiated was a smaller step. was just a small step towards the bigger goal of bringing everything over. But it took till 2003 until everything became Disney-owned property. So we'll get into that a little later on. But was there anything else that you wanted to add before we get into the review of the film? Oh, it's just, it was, the reason why I didn't really like it is because it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, the reason, the only reason that I'm, I'm doing this now is because of, because of it being the 30th anniversary of Jim Henson's death yesterday. So that is why we're doing it. So, like I said, this is personally one of my favorite Christmas movies. And I grew up with the Muppets. I love the Muppets. Love most things Jim Henson. I do have notes, so I'm going to get into the notes. I took an extraordinarily long time to rewatch this film and, and get notes and everything for it. It's actually a short film. It's only about 90 minutes. But So the opening scene, we get an establishing shot of the streets of London because London is where a, Muppet, where a Christmas carol takes place. That's where the story originally written by Charles Dickens takes place. So Muppets stayed true to that. They didn't pretend to like put it in the U.S. or anything, which would have been easy to do, but they kept it in London. So we get an establish an establishing shot of the streets of London, and we go by all these people selling vegetables and groceries and stuff on the streets. Gonzo, we then see Gonzo the Great, and he introduces himself as Charles Dickens, and he is basically going to act as the narrator for the film. So, yeah, so go ahead. I was just going to say, him and fucking Rizzo are, like, the R- best part of this fucking movie. Rizzo the Rat, yeah. Yeah, him uh, and Rizzo are the best part. Rizzo specifically, and then Gonzo's just little corpse at him are, like, the best, are the best part of this whole fucking movie. The fact that one point where he calls him a fucking idiot, awesome. <laughs> well, he doesn't use the word fucking because it is... It is a family and Muppet film, but he does call them call him an idiot, which we'll get into in just a sec. Okay, so again, Gonzo is basically going to act as the narrator of the film. Him and Rizzo the Rat are basically going to be the narrator slash comedy relief for the film. And Rizzo asks why Gonzo gets to tell the story of A Christmas Carol. And Gonzo says it's because he knows the story like the back of his hand. And... This is where we start to get some of the back and forth banter between Rizzo and Gonzo. Rizzo says, well, if you know the story like the back of your hand, prove it. And then in, te- in typical Muppet fashion, 
Gonzo takes that literally, and instead of telling the story, he starts to describe the back of his hand to Rizzo. So that that's the start of their little comedy back-and-forth banter. Gonzo then starts off the story like the story starts off by saying that the Marleys were dead to begin with. Now, in this movie, they use Marley's plural. In the actual story, there was only one Marley, Jacob. In this movie, there's two. There's Jacob and Robert Marley. We'll get to that in a little bit. So he he talked. He says that the Marleys were dead to begin with. And then he talks about their business partner, Ebenezer Scrooge. And then as Gonzo mentions Ebenezer Scrooge, we then see him enter the film and the people of London serenade him with a not-so-flattering song about what a horrible person he happens to be. Not that Scrooge actually cares, because he's Scrooge, so he just kind of walks by and ignores everyone, because Scrooge doesn't give a fuck. And Scrooge, Me! <laughs> Scrooge in this film is played by Michael Caine, and he does such a fabulous job. I was on IMDb earlier, and in the trivia section, and I don't know how accurate this is, so take it with a grain of salt, because IMDb trivia is like Wikipedia, it's edited by the users. But allegedly, Michael Caine says this is one of his favorite roles that he's performed. So there's no source citing that. So I don't know how accurate that is. But again, that was in the IMDb trivia section. So after the song finishes, after the song about how awful a person Scrooge is finishes, we then get to Scrooge's office and Gonzo and Rizzo get stuck outside. And Rizzo comments about what a filthy city London is because they can't see into the into the office to see what's going on because the the windows are so dirty and filthy with like dust and grime and everything. So Gonzo picks up Rizzo and just uses him like a like a cloth to wipe off the window. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) We are then introduced to Bob Cratchit, who is played by Kermit the Frog, who in this film is voiced by Steve Whitmire. This was Steve Whitmire's first full feature as Kermit after taking the role over from Jim after Jim passed away. He did do Kermit briefly for like a very small segment at the end of a Jim Henson tribute show in 1990, but I think it was like two lines at most. So this was the first full feature film, TV show, what have you, where Steve Whitmire had officially taken on the role of Kermit, a role that he would play until 2016, just a couple of years ago when he was sort of forced out of the role. Apparently him and the Henson company had a fallen out. From what I've read, they've said he sort of walked away and he says he was kind of forced out and his contract not renewed or something along those lines. But basically him and him and the Henson company had a fallen out. So Steve Whitmire, who was a longtime employee and a longtime voice for the Muppets and Fraggle Rock, he, he voiced Wembley in Fraggle Rock. He, he did Rizzo the Rat as well. Steve Whitmire is also the voice of Rizzo the Rat. So long time, no longer with Jim Henson Company, unfortunately. But this was his first time voicing Kermit. So we are introduced to Kermit, who's playing Bob Cratchit in this movie. 
And inside the office, there's somebody waiting for Scrooge. Basically, I guess, a client of Scrooge's who... Because I guess Scrooge is sort of like a money lender, but he doesn't really lend money to people. <laughs> He's a money lender that doesn't lend money because he wants to keep all the money for himself, basically. <laughs> so this this guy that's in Scrooge's office is going on about how he knows he's late on his mortgage payments again. But, you know, his wife is in poor health and he basically is asking for an extension on his mortgage payments. And Scrooge doesn't even say anything to him. He just picks the guy up and throws him outside onto the outside the office into the streets as he as he's in mid sentence. So that gives you a, a good idea to start what kind of person Scrooge is. Just not a very pleasant person to to deal with. His nephew then comes in and visits his nephew Fred, and Fred invites him to have Christmas dinner with Fred and his wife Clara. Scrooge declines and says that marriage is the only thing sillier than people celebrating getting uh, celebrating Christmas. Well, actually, he asks his nephew why he got married, and his his nephew says because he was in love. And Scrooge says love. Love specifically is the only thing sillier than people celebrating Christmas and wishing one another a Merry Christmas. So Scrooge, not a big fan of Christmas, not a big fan of love. And while Fred is in the office inviting Scrooge over for dinner, there's also a a caroler at the door, a little bunny rabbit caroler. And he basically asks Scrooge for a donation for the song and Scrooge just slams the door in his face. And also while Fred is there, a couple of charity collectors come by and ask Scrooge for a donation to their charity. And Fred makes a donation, but Ebenezer Scrooge refuses to make a donation, basically saying that, you know, he doesn't care if people can't afford things, then they can like live out in the streets, basically. But he's just like really, really rude to the to these charity collector guys. But Fred makes his donation and Fred leaves and basically Scrooge yells at the charity collectors until they just leave the office. Yeah, it's Beaker, though. Beaker's like the one character I actually like. Beaker and Benson Honeydew as the the charity collectors. I I have no idea what what that guy's name is. All I know is Beaker. (laughs) Of course, Beaker just doesn't talk he just does his little noises throughout the whole and that's, thing that's the thing is that in that i know it's a little off topic but like at the the muppet vision thing in florida beaker is just so fucking funny meep, 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 meep. like that i fucking love it's fucking awesome <laughs> so after after the charity collectors leave bob approaches bob cratchit approaches scrooge and he asks if him and the bookkeepers can get Christmas day off because Scrooge was saying we'll see you tomorrow because it was time to close up. So he he's Scrooge tells Bob he'll see him tomorrow. And that's when Bob's basically like, well, tomorrow's Christmas and asks for the day off. And he pleads his case quite logically, too. He says every other business is going to be closed on Christmas Day. So there's no point in Scrooge's office being open because with the other businesses being closed, there's no other businesses to do business with. So Scrooge actually sees the logic in this and says that 
it's a poor excuse for asking for a day off, but because Scrooge seems to be the only person in town that seems to know it, he gives Bob and the bookkeepers the day off. But he tells them to be in all the earlier the next morning. We then have Kermit and the bookkeepers singing a little song as they close up the office and then walk home. We also see the penguin skating party. So there's penguins on ice skating outside during this little musical number. We then see Gonzo and Rizzo pull up outside of Scrooge's house in a horse-drawn carriage. And this is where we see Scrooge's first sort of scare of the movie, where his doorknob turns into the ghost of Jacob Marley, his old business partner. And Scrooge is sort of taken aback by this. He sort of falls back a little bit into the snow, uh, but he collects himself, he composes himself, and then he goes inside. We get more great comedy interactions between Rizzo and Gonzo as they're sort of narrating the, narrating the story and providing some comic relief. We then see more scenes of Scrooge inside his house getting scared and sort of trying to keep himself calm. There's a scene where he gets scared by his house coat because he sees it out of the corner of his eyes and he thinks it's something moving. So he just beats the crap out of it until he realizes that it's his dressing gown and everything's okay. We then see him, I guess, in what would be at the time his living room, sort of having a late night snack. And that's where he's visited by two ghosts, the ghosts of Robert and Jacob Marley, played by Statler and Waldorf, the two old guys that always heckle Fozzie Bear from the from the balcony. So they're playing the ghosts of Robert and Jacob Marley in this film, and they sing a song to him. It's the Muppets, so it's sort of a it's really a, a music. There's lots of songs, so it's really a musical Christmas movie. So Jacob and Robert sing a song and they basically in the song warn him that he's going to be visited by three spirits throughout the night. And these spirits are basically going to serve as a warning about him needing to change his ways. Otherwise, in the afterlife, he's going to end up like them bound by all these chains and just having a hard afterlife because they were such terrible people while they were alive. So this is them serving as a warning that Scrooge needs to be visited by these ghosts so he can change his ways if he wants to avoid a terrible afterlife. We then get more scenes of Rizzo and Gonzo outside. One of the scenes being where Gonzo calls him an idiot because throughout these scenes we see Rizzo eating a bag of jelly beans. So anyways... At one point, they're trying to hop over this, like, huge gate, and Rizzo, you see Rizzo at the top, and Rizzo just, like, he's, like, praying for himself because he thinks he's gonna die from this jump. And then he lands in the snow, and he realizes that he left his bag of jelly beans on the other side of the gate, so he just crawls through the bars of the gate, and then crawls back through the bars, and that's when Gonzo looks at him and asks, you can fit... For you can fit through those bars. And Rizzo's like, yeah. And Gonzo's like, you're such an idiot. Because he could have just gone through the bars to begin with instead of jumping from the very top of the gate. Yeah. See, that's when I, that, that's where I laughed. Because that was funny. Because, you know, he's an idiot. He is. But Rizzo, Rizzo's also amazing. Yeah. So then the ghost of Christmas past appears to Scrooge. 
And the ghost takes Scrooge back in time, obviously, to his school days. And Scrooge gets taken inside his old classroom where he sees a younger version of himself. And it's here where we learn that Scrooge was often alone at Christmas time. It's mentioned that he was often alone at Christmas time. It wasn't mentioned why. My guess is he was probably an orphan and didn't have a home to go to. That's my presumption, but it's never really mentioned as to why he's alone. And you can see older Scrooge sort of heartbroken by this scene, but he tries to play it off. He, he tries to justify it and it tries to explain that he enjoyed being alone because it gave him more time for studying and reading while everybody else was off enjoying Christmas with their families. So we then see Scrooge age and grow throughout his school years. And then we see Scrooge graduating as his headmaster, played by Sam the Eagle, talks to him about his apprenticeship, which he has just landed in London. We then fast forward and see Scrooge as a young adult at, I guess it's a it's a Christmas party for the business that he's working at at the time, hosted by his boss, Fozzie Wake, obviously played by Fozzie the Bear. The Marley brothers are both there doing their shtick of heckling Fozzie from the, from the balcony of the Christmas party. So the Marley brothers are heckling Fozzie Bear from the balcony. We then see a young, young adult Scrooge coming up to Fozzie, approaching Fozzie. Well, I guess I should call him Fozzie Wig because that was the, that was the name of the character, Fozzie Wig. So Scrooge, uh, Scrooge approaches Fozzie Wig and he basically wants to discuss the expenses for this Christmas party. He, he's telling him that this, that the expenses for this Christmas party are costing the company a lot of money. And Fozziewig basically tells him, don't mind the finances, go and enjoy the party. We then go to a scene of Scrooge at the party meeting Belle for the first time. And the ghost said, ghost turns to old Scrooge and basically says, this isn't the first time, or this isn't the, f the this isn't the only Christmas that you would have with this lady, Belle. And Scrooge doesn't want to, does not want to see the other Christmas that he's had with Belle. So we fast forward a couple years and it's Ebenezer and Belle in a park. And Belle is basically discussing the fact that, you know, they've been engaged to be married for over a year and Scrooge keeps putting off the wedding. And Scrooge is basically saying, well, that's because, you know, He's trying to say, he's trying to work more to save up more money for, for the wedding and to provide for Belle. And that's when Belle basically, you know, confronts him and says that she thinks that he cares more about work and business than he cares about her. And Scrooge basically tries to tell Belle, I, this is for us. What I'm doing is for us. I do love you. And Belle says, you did once. And then we get the worst fucking decision ever made by Jeffrey goddamn black eye on the Disney company Katzenberg by cutting one of the best fucking songs from this movie from its th theatrical release. The song is only available on DVD release. They didn't even make it available on the 20th anniversary Blu-ray edition a couple years ago. It's not available in the Disney Plus version. 
they they cut this scene because Jeffrey Katzenberg thought that the song was too sad. But basically, there's a song called When Love Is Gone, which Belle sings to to Scrooge, which is basically her breaking up with him. In in the theatrical release and the release that's on Disney Plus and Blu-ray, you don't get the song, so it just cuts from Belle saying, you did love me once, to her leaving, and you don't get this full breakup song, and you can't really appreciate the context of her walking away. And Brian Henson did not agree with Katzenberg's decision to cut this. Fans like myself did not agree with Katzenberg's decision to cut this. He felt it, the song was too sad for a younger audience, so he, that's why he decided to cut it. But f- Jeffrey Katzenberg can go fuck himself. He's a black eye in the Disney company. He fucked the film <laughs> over by taking that song out of the film. He fucked goddamn Robin Williams over with Aladdin, which is why Robin Williams didn't return for the voice of the genie in Return of Jafar. Fuck Jeffrey Katzenberg. And like I said at the beginning why it took the Henson company so long to to finalize the deal with Disney to move all their intellectual property over. From what I've read on different sources, and I don't know how accurate it is because I've never seen any representative from the Henson or Disney company comment on it. I haven't seen any articles presenting quotes or anything. But from some things that I've read, this, like, Henson, Brian Henson, Jim's son, who took over the company after Jim died, was kind of so pissed with Katzenberg at this that he honored the original contract of the of the films and TV shows that they had already agreed to. But like this, basically, Katzenberg was basically the reason why it took so long to get the intellectual property moved over to Disney fully. And if that is the case. I can understand why, because Katzenberg's a dick, and he sort of stabbed a lot of people in the back along the way from things that I've read. I should say allegedly, just in case Katzenberg ever listens to this podcast, I don't want to get sued for defamation. So, allegedly, he was a dick to a lot of people along the way uh, (laughs) while he was at Disney. But, yeah, no, I When Love Is Gone is a great song. And it helps put this scene in better context. And I'm so pissed off that it's been taken off. Apparently, it is available as an extra on Disney+. Plus. Like, if you look for the film on Disney+, Plus and it gives you the synopsis, and you can go to, like, extra features and, and stuff on Disney+. Plus. Apparently, the scene is included as an extra on Disney+. Plus. Why it wasn't put back into the full full version of the movie, I don't know. But I do have the DVD copy with the song on it, so I can live with it a little bit. But yeah. Tell me how you really feel, Dave, about that other guy. Jeffrey Katzenberg, fuck him. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it, it's there on the extras. Is it? Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to, to check it, so. Yeah, it says deleted song, When Love Is Gone. Yeah. Why they why they didn't just put that back into the movie, I don't know. I was reading Wikipedia and I and there's a quote on Wikipedia from Brian Henson that apparently the original masters from the from the film with the song on it have been lost, which I mean, to me doesn't make sense if you have if you have the song as an extra on Disney Plus, you have access to the song just 
with all the digital technology we have today, there's no reason why you can't go back and digitally put it back in there and give us the full fucking ver the full fucking movie. That's all I want. The full fucking movie with that song included. But uh, I, I I digress. Mo- moving on. <laughs> I thought I was going to be the one who's going to get mad on this show. <laughs> so after that scene, Scrooge tells the spirit to stop torturing him and to leave him alone. We then see Scrooge back in his apartment where he hears a noise coming from another room. Scrooge enters that other room and it's the ghost of Christmas present. And the Christmas, the ghost of Christmas present basically invites him in, tells him to come and get him, get to know him better. And the, the ghost of Christmas present is just a very large, jovial, fun loving spirit. And he's chowing down on quite a lot of food when Scrooge enters the room. They have a little bit of conversation back and forth. And the spirit asks, the spirit asks Scrooge, if Scrooge has ever noticed that everything seems to be better at Christmas time. And Scrooge replies with, he's never really understood Christmas. And the ghost says, by the time we're through, you will understand. The ghost then takes Scrooge on a walk around town on Christmas morning, shows him everybody from rich to poor celebrating Christmas and just being merry and having a good time. Scrooge sort of gets invigorated by the Christmas spirit and he starts to feel a little bit happier. He's going with it. He asks the spirit to show him the houses of friends and family to see what they're up to on Christmas Day. So the ghost of Christmas present takes Scrooge to his nephew's house. Obviously, no one can see Scrooge because basically it's like it's not actually happening. It's what would be happening in the present if if Scrooge doesn't change his ways. So no one can see Scrooge or the ghost. So he's just there and they're playing Fred and Clara and the guests that they have over for Christmas dinner are playing games and they're basically all ripping Scrooge to shreds. Like the, the game is centered around making fun of Scrooge basically. And, and Scrooge basically seems shocked by this. I, I don't know why he would be shocked. He's pretty much been a dick to everybody in town, so I don't understand why he would be shocked that people were mocking him. So the ghost of Christmas present basically sees Scrooge looking, you know, sad about the whole situation. So he takes him to another house in the poor part of London. And it turns out that it's the house of Bob Cratchit and his family. And we see Bob's wife, Emily, played obviously by Miss Piggy, cooking Christmas dinner as Bob returns home with Tiny Tim. And we see how sick Tiny Tim actually is. He's on a crutch. He's he's coughing, probably like whooping cough, because that was big back in the time of when A Christmas Carol was actually written. That was a big disease that was going around that was that caused a lot of deaths because it wasn't treated properly. So that's probably what it was, though it's never really mentioned. Scrooge then realizes, based on how little food Bob and his family are eating, that Scrooge really underpays Bob. And then Bob gives a toast to Scrooge. And as Bob is toasting Scrooge, Emily and, and... Bob and Emily's daughters basically are ridiculing Scrooge and calling him cheap and all of this. And then sort of, again, you 
you get Scrooge being hit right in the feels with pe- with him actually being revealed how people feel about him. Right in the feels. Right in the feels. It's like a kick in the dick. So yeah, so Emily and the daughters are criticizing Scrooge and basically that's when that's when Tiny Tim interrupts and says the line, God blesses everyone. And Scrooge turns to the spirit and asks if Tiny Tim will live. And the spirit says that he does not know the future, but basically the outcome does not look like if Bob's situation doesn't change, then the outcome doesn't look good. We then get the ghost of Christmas present leading Scrooge to a graveyard where he sort of just evaporate, uh, evaporates. And that's when Scrooge is confronted by the ghost of Christmas yet to come. So the ghost of Christmas yet to come is basically showing Scrooge the future. He's leading him back through the streets of London again. But this time, instead of people being jovial about it being Christmas, we see a bunch of people being happy that somebody has died. And we get people, we then get the the ghost of Christmas future or ghost of Christmas yet to come lead Scrooge into like into this building or like this cave sort of thing. And we see a bunch of people selling off personal belongings of the person who had just died. And we're not told who it is, but we the uh, the audience can obviously make the connection that it's Scrooge himself that has died. And even Scrooge doesn't fully make the connection, but he does say that, you know, his own life tends to lead this way now where it might be him that's in the situation where where people are celebrating his death. So he doesn't realize it's him, but he he sort of clues into the fact that it that that could be his situation. Scrooge then wants the spirit to take him somewhere else because he doesn't want to see people celebrating the death of somebody, uh, especially if it's him. The spirit then brings him to the Cratchit house again, which initially Scrooge thanks him for and mentions that this is a place of joy and happiness. And so he's grateful to be back at the Cratchit house. But then he soon realizes that there's no singing, there's no laughter, there's no joy coming from the Cratchit household. And we then see Bob Cratchit coming home from the cemetery, and we learn that Tiny Tim has passed away. And Scrooge asks the spirit if there's a Christmas that must bring about this sad scene. And the spirit says nothing because it's the ghost of Christmas future and the future has no voice because it hasn't been written yet. So the spirit then takes Scrooge to a cemetery again, takes him back to the cemetery, I should say, because that's where they started off. And he points Scrooge to a tombstone and Scrooge goes over and discovers that it's his tombstone. And he realizes that he was the one that whose death people were were probably celebrating. Scrooge then pleads with the spirit to not let this be his future. And he's basically on his hands and knees, begging and sobbing into the spirit's cloak. And he then wakes up in his bed, sobbing into his blankets. And he he realizes that the hauntings are done. And he goes to the window 
And he opens the window and he sees the little bunny caroler from the day before at his office. He sees him outside of his window and he asks what day it is. The caroler tells him it's Christmas Day. He then throws a bunch of money at the caroler and tells him to go buy him the prize turkey that's in the local shop window. Scrooge then dresses up and goes outside. And once he's outside, he runs into the charity collectors from the day before and he pledges to make a donation to them. The amount is not disclosed, though based on their reactions and what they say, it's a very generous offer. We just don't find out what the actual amount is. So after he's done making his donation, the bunny caroler comes back with the turkey, and Scrooge tells him to follow him as Scrooge walks through town, buying gifts from businesses that were supposedly going to be closed, according to Bob Cratchit a day earlier, which is why Scrooge closed for the day, because no other businesses were going to be open on Christmas Day. Yet here he is strolling through London buying turkeys and presents on Christmas Day from businesses that were supposedly closed. But I digress. So he's buying he's buying gifts for people, and then we see him back at his office, and he's leaving baskets of coal for his bookkeepers. Basically, this is his goodwill gesture for the bookkeepers because they need coal for the fire in the office to to keep them warm because it's so cold in the office. So normally lumps of coal are a bad thing, but in this case, they're actually a good present for his bookkeepers. He then stops by the house of his nephew, Fred, and gives presents to both Fred and and Clara. And Fred looks completely stunned and doesn't know what to do or say as Scrooge continues on his merry way. He then makes his way through town all the way to Bob's house. And this whole time, he's basically being preceded by like every single person on the street. And so he tells them to go hide while he knocks on on Bob Cratchit's door. And Bob answers the door quite timidly. And Scrooge asks Bob why he was not at work like they discussed. So basically, Scrooge is still pretending to be a dick right now. And Bob says, well, they did discuss it and he gave him the day off. And and he's he's sort of stammering and muttering his words. And that's when his wife, Emily, comes to the door and says she's going to give Scrooge a piece of his a piece of her mind. And she starts laying into Scrooge. And that's when Scrooge tells Bob that he's going to raise his salary and pay off his mortgage. And then everyone comes inside and they have a nice large Christmas dinner. And Charles Dickens, a.k.a. Gonzo, lets us know that in the end, Tiny Tim did not die. So, yeah, Scrooge gets his redemption. Tiny Tim lives. Everything works out for the best. I love this movie personally. I know what I'm gonna give this, what I'm gonna rate this movie. But Josh, what were your thoughts on a Muppets Christmas Carol, and what rating are you gonna give it? I mean, I don't know. It was like Rizzo and 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 Gonzo made the movie, and they were. I mean, like they were in most, not not most of it, but they were in it at most scenes. It was okay. I don't know. A solid four. Wow. Wow. Even I gave The Descents a better review. Wow. Such a dick move, Josh. <laughs> I told you. I I don't know. I, I literally checked out the last half of, half of that movie. I'm going to double your rating, and I'm going to give The Muppets Christmas Carol an 8 
for the full length movie with with when love is gone included for the for the cutback movie with the cut scene thanks to Jeffrey Katzenberg that's a 7 but I'm going to I'm going to give it as a full movie so I'm going to give it an 8 because I know how the movie is supposed to be presented so it's going to be an 8 for me that's that's is that your that's your highest rating on this podcast so far it is it is the highest rating that I've that I've given out so far. We've had a couple of sevens. National Treasure was a seven. Little Mermaid was a seven. But we are at fifty six minutes. I was not expecting to go that long, but here we are at fifty six minutes. So we are gonna wrap things up. Again, guys, as always, please feel free to follow us on social media. Give us a like, give us a follow. If you helped retweet or share our stuff, that would be greatly appreciated. We know it's difficult times for everybody. You know, people can't afford a lot of things right now. So we're not asking for any sort of money donations. But sharing this is literally free. All it, do- all it takes is a click of a, a, of a button. So you would be helping us out greatly if if you shared this, retweeted it, whatever. Leave comments, let us know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. And our social medias, like I said at the top of the show, Twitter, Ocho, at Ocho Ortiz Disney. Facebook, facebook.com slash Ocho and Ortiz Disney Pod. Instagram, at Ocho and Ortiz Disney Pod. And we are available on most major podcasts and platforms. We are available on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and our main source of uploading is Podbean, Ocho and Ortiz Disney Podcast.podbean.com. So please subscribe to us on there as well. And of course, our YouTube channel, just search for at Ocho or just search for Ocho and Ortiz Disney Podcast on YouTube. We put the audio podcast up there. We put the we put the video podcasts up there as well. Josh, before we go, any final words? Thank you for listening. Everything's ha- going to be happening soon, I'm hoping. Looks like Disney might be reopening soon. Stuff's going on. I'm keeping very close tabs on what's happening in the States. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, guys, whether you're listening to this in the morning, the afternoon, the evening, whatever time of day it is, where you are, when you're listening, We thank you for listening. We appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.